Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. I wish you'd put up my text. <laughs> you don't have anything to do with it. Okay. It's her. <laughs> it's you. Well, me, would you put up my text? You can. Well, we're in trouble, folks. My text, no verse, but my text, back to normal. I don't like that. Back to normal. I don't like either one of those three words. Back to normal. I mean, I don't, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like it like that. Back. I don't want to go back. Now two's all right. Because two starts the word toward. I like that. But back and two, they don't, they don't go, they don't go together, but they're using them together. I'm reading that and hearing that today because we're getting ready to get out of this mess by God's grace, but I don't want to go back to normal. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go to normal. (laughs) No way, Jose. That's the familiar, in fact, I heard it just recently this past week again. Let's get back to normal. I don't want to. I'm going to share you some history today from uh, 2 Kings. Now you can put that up, can't you? Woo! Second, excuse me for embarrassing you, I'm sorry. 2 Kings chapter 2, there is Jehoash. Or as he's known elsewhere, uh, uh, anyway. Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I'm just going to read the part of those verses that I want to say. Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Joash or Jehoash as he's named, mentioned there. He he reigned for 40 years over Judah. 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 3. We have Amaziah. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. 29 years he reigned. 2 Kings chapter 15 in verse 3. We have Azariah. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Azariah, or as you read of him later in different places, Uzziah reigned for 52 years. One more, Second Kings. Oh, I messed it up. How do you get rid of that? I need some help. Uh, I sure do. But anyway, Second Kings 50. Yeah. Oh, thank you, daughter. Second Kings chapter 15 and 34. See, when you punch. Now, this is not like that. I can punch Acts 2.30 and stays right there all the time. <laughs> but I just touched that somewhere and boom, it's gone. Second Kings 15 and 34, Jotham. 
He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he reigned over Judah for 16 years. I don't know if you have your calculator, but you don't need it anyway, I'll tell you. That amounts to 137 years of four generations that said of them, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And then we have another king that succeeds Jotham. His name, Ahaz. Ahaz. He only reigned 16 years, thank the Lord. But during his reign, he caused his son to pass through the fire to the idol God. He sacrificed and burnt incense in high places on the hills and under the green trees. He erected images and built groves to worship false gods. He closed the door. Sound like a pandemic, doesn't it? He closed the doors to the temple. No more worship. He had another altar built because he didn't like the one, the brazen altar that they'd been using for years and years and years. And he moved that brazen altar out of the way. And he acted as a priest and offered sacrifices on that new altar. He destroyed the labor of washing, that labor where the priest had to wash, typical of baptism. Let's do away with that. We don't need that. He brought trash into the temple. It made it, he made it a trash dump. Doors are shut, so we just dump trash in there. The 16 years of his reign destroyed all the memories of the past 137 years where it says they served God. They were right in the eyes of the Lord. No one, there was no, think about this. There was no one living in Ahaz's reign that was living when this four generation started. Nobody living. 137 years, no. Of those that said that they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1 says, It came to pass... In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Think about this. Hezekiah was 25 years of age. So he was nine years old, thereabout, when Ahaz started reigning. He was just a youngin, nine years of age. And he's watched his father for those 16 years, how he lived, how he conducted himself, what he did to the house of God, what he did to the people of God, to the gods that he brought into play and all of these things. Ahaz, that's the way he did. That's what he established. So Hezekiah steps to the reign, being king. So what does he do? Let's go back to normal. Let's go to normal. I don't like normal. Ahaz is normal today. I don't like normal. Putting masks on are normal today. I don't like masks. I'm not Jesse James. I don't like a mask. Amen. And, and using distance. I don't like distance. I like close fellowship. I like to look you in the eye. My, you're sweet today. 
I like to be able to touch you. I like to be able to shake your hand and hug your neck and say, God bless you. I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord today. Even if this is the annex, it's that, whoo, Gary, it's so good to see you here today. Amen. Back to normal. Hogwash. Hezekiah said, no, we're not going back to Ahaz's day. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to remove the high places of my papa. We're going to open the doors of the temple. We're going to call those priests back into the house of God. We're going to tell them to sanctify themselves. We're going to tell them to sanctify the temple after you've opened the doors. And after you've carried all the trash out of the temple, we're going to celebrate this place. Woo! He, and, 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 and he called for celebrating Passover. Passover. We're going to have Passover here. Second Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 26. Notice this verse. I like this verse. There was great joy in Jerusalem for since the time of Solomon. Solomon? You mean Jehoash, don't you? That's where it all started. No, no. Since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there was not the... Oh, I've done it again. There was... Let's just forget that. There was never... Let me read it here. Since the time of Solomon, the king of David's... Uh, David, king of Israel, there was not the like in Jerusalem. Oh, come on. Come on, Hezekiah. Let's go back to normal. I don't like normal. For the past three months, we've been accustomed to normal, they call it. It's normal to stay six feet apart. I don't like that. It's normal to put a mask on your face. I don't like that. It's normal to have church with 10 people. I don't like that. That's normal. I don't like normal. I don't like going back. I want to go forward. I want to go to something. I don't want to go back. Another thing that just, just irritates me is now we've got this, this word, they're using it a different way to me, that, that term virtual. We're having virtual church. Hogwash, I want church. I want to have virtual. Here you got 10 people, we're having church. That's some, I know it says two or three, but anyway, that virtual virtual that means that means i'm talking to somebody that's 20 miles away that's we're having fellowship well that's what you do with a telephone do you still at all at telephone that's what you do with your with your with your with your, with your this kind of thing i like to sit down i don't want any cup of coffee with you or a slice of tomato but i want to sit down and have fellowship amen i don't like virtual church I don't like virtual worship. I want to see your smiling faces radiating from your face. I want to see your faces unmasked and not masked. I know, I know it'll be a while before we get back into our sanctuary, but when we'll continue to have church here, and we're, we're, this is good, isn't it? This is good. I'm almost finished. This is good. Amen. Even if it is me, it's good. God's good. His blessings are good. His spirit is good. He is here right here. Hallelujah. I know in a couple months or sooner maybe we'll have supper out here. We'll have a meal out here. Now, now that's not virtual. That's going to be fellowship showing up. Amen. But anyway, let, let's, let's make this, and we are, let's make this annex a, 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 a 
warm-up place, if you will, for when we're going to be out there. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. I know we meet God here. He's really going to meet us out there. Amen. Back to normal. No, we don't want normal. We, want, we don't want to go back. We want to go forward with the blessings of the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and, and what I want to say here in that last verse, would you put that last one up there again, the second Chronicles? There was great joy in Jerusalem because of what Hezekiah did. There's great joy. In Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, I didn't take time to figure that up, but that's many years. Because the reason I put that up is because if you went back to Jehoash, Jotham, and all those other kings, if you went back where it says, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Don't you want to go back there? Not to his reign. Not to any of them. Because if you read on in each one of them, and it wasn't up there, but if you read on in each one, every one of them, after that phrase, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, you would have a except, but, and every one of them was not like David that danced before the Lord with all of his might and said, we're going to bring the ark of God from Shiloh. We're going to bring it home to Jerusalem where it belongs. <laughs> and they had rejoicing. He danced with all of his might before the Lord. Every one of those kings, it's great. They said they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but we don't need any buts after that. Except they did this. They left the groves. They, had to, they didn't take, do anything about those false gods. I don't want to go back there. Let's go beyond. Let's go back. Let's go beyond. Let's go to Pentecost. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Let's don't stop at Solomon. Let's not stop at David. Let's not stop there. Let's go all the way to Pentecost. Let's have revival. Let's have a stirring. Let's see our community stirred. Let's see our loved ones come to God. Let's see our backsliders get back in the church. Hallelujah. And, 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 and faster is coming now because he's the one that's going to lead us to a new Pentecost, okay? Lord, we love you today. Praise him, church. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, the bishop referred to, says, And when the day of Pentecost, verse 1, was fully come. Somebody say, fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like as of fire and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In the Old Testament, there were three primary major feasts that required that every man 
the head of households, every man would take a pilgrimage to the temple of Jerusalem to worship. Each male was required and commanded, do not come empty-handed. Those three feasts were known in the Old Testament as Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle the Feast of Tabernacle. In Passover, we find that it commemorated Israel's exodus from Egypt. Amen. That they come out and they started a new calendar at Passover. And then we find 50 days later, after they came out of Egypt, they found themselves at Mount Sinai and the giving of the law. The Lord took them out of slavery into a new life and then gave them a direction for their new life. And that is called Pentecost. Later on in the fall, they celebrate what is known as the Feast of tabernacles and they would come and that would be a time of celebration a time of rejoicing a time of peace a time that the harvest had been gathered in and now they were going to enjoy the festival as it is known as in gathering when we consider the passover we know that jesus christ is our passover lamb according to scripture he is the spotless lamb that brought us redemption that cow introduced the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ so that his church may be launched. And so 50 days later, that's what the word Pentecost in the Greek, the word for the word Pentecost means 50. Do you know that you go to the 50 church, Medora 50 church? Amen. We go to Medora Pentecostal Church because of the experience. 50 days from Passover, Moses received the law. The law meant, again, a new day dawning, a new way of living, new things to follow. Pentecost in Acts was the dawning of a new day for God's people. He was not building a law system for a select few, but rather he was building a church so that the whole world, could enjoy a new life and a new way of living. The law symbolized a new way of living for the Hebrews, which they never could accomplish. But the outpouring of Acts chapter 2 revealed a way that every person could operate and live under the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Passover is about an exodus from the old life, an exodus from slavery, an exodus from sin. Pentecost is about transformation, transformation. I want to tell you what our world needs today is that we need transformation. But we try to have transformation by our own good works. We try to have transformation by social justice. We try to have transformation by rioting and picketing. We try to have transformation by simply, I'll post a, a post about it and it's going to fix everything. Or I'm going to argue about it and it's going to fix everything. Can I tell you there will be no change in a person's life until there is Holy Ghost transformation. Calvary is completed in Pentecost. Calvary is the coronation that is complete in the church on Acts chapter 2. 
an empty tomb means nothing until we come to the realization it was the empty tomb that filled the disciples with the power of the Spirit. The cross paved the way for the comforter to come. Jesus said in John 14 and 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. He's talking about a spiritual dimension, a spiritual encounter. He said, with you now, but shall be in you. Then he said in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. Amen. Let yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father and ye in me and I in you. How is that going to happen? By transformation. By transformation. The essence of man. The makeup of man. Can I tell you today we see body. Look around and smile at your neighbor. We see bodies today and we, we recognize each other by face. I know who you are because of face. I'll forget your name, but I'll remember your face. But that's not really who we are. Who we are from creation is that God gave to man the breath of life by breathing in him spirit. We are given, if I, if, if I was to show you who you were today, you are a spirit that is contained in a body that co is connected by a soul. You have your body and you have your spirit, but you have a soul that connects the two. The spirit is the God life in you. The spirit is what God connects to. The Spirit is what God wants to talk to. Job chapter 32 and verse 8. I'm, I, I, pardon me for, for hurrying here, but I got a lot to say in 15 minutes. There is a spirit in man, Job 32 and 8. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration, the breath of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Adam and Eve made a very sad and horrible error when they stepped outside of the obedience that they were supposed to do and they entered into sin through disobedience. Sin changed man. Sin still changes man today. At the root of what we're seeing on the news, at the root of what we're seeing around our country, horrible, despicable thugs that are burning their cities down, burning down the very ones that they are saying they're supporting. I want to tell you at the heart of it is not anything but sin, 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 sin. Man is disconnected. Their spirit is disconnected from the spirit of God because sin brings death and death is spiritual separation. So how can I again be reconnected to my creator so that my body and my soul and my spirit are in sync with what God wants in my life? Amen. I'm glad you asked that because Nicodemus asked the same question. How can I get into the internal life? What if I need? Jesus said it like this. John 3 and 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, of water, and 
the spirit of water and the spirit hallelujah he cannot enter into the kingdom of God that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit when Adam attempted to find Adam and Eve attempted to find their identity and played God played God with picking the fruit from the tree and eating it they were disconnected from their creator king they were severed in their relationship but Jesus Jesus, God's plan for reconnection, God's plan for reconnected man came. He was the spotless lamb that would be the Passover lamb that would be slain. And 50 days later, he said, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send my spirit. And what is my spirit going to do? It's going to do what he said to his disciples prophetically when the Bible says in John that he breathed on them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. What is he saying? I'm about to connect your spirit with your creator king. I'm about to connect you. You see, there were those like Peter. Peter was a coward. Peter was a coward. He had a lot of bravado. You ever been around somebody that Talk to big game. Oh, Lord, no, you ain't going to do that. That ain't not going to happen, Lord. And the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. But that's a whole nother message. But here is Peter. He's got the bravado. I mean, he's the one swinging the sword and cutting off the ear of, a, of the high priest servants. He, he's the one that is, is he's, he seems courageous. But when it came down to it, you know what happened? Peter said, I don't know Jesus. One time, two times, three times. He's the one that's hiding out. He's the one that's running from the reality of of who he was but you let him be in the upper room with the others in that group of 120 sitting there waiting and suddenly suddenly they came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind what is it what is the Lord doing? He's doing a new thing. Amen. You see, in the Old Testament, they had prophecy. In the Old Testament, they had miracles. In the Old Testament, they had things that were, were incredible, powerful. I mean, glorious things that God did. But one thing they did not have in the Old Testament is what happened in Acts chapter 2. Is they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit empowered them. Hallelujah. What is this? This is the king saying, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. This is the creator saying I want to get connected back with you I want my spirit connected with that's why when you are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and you begin to speak in other tongues you are talking to uh, the Lord through glorious communication amen Second yes, yes, Corinthians three seventeen. now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty but we all with open face beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed somebody say transform changed in the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord amen again Peter was a coward before Pentecost but after Pentecost after the upper room experience he's preaching the first message of the new church he's the one that is standing amen and saying I'll glorify God I'm going to be changed by the power of the Lord there are those today that equate just speaking in tongues with the name Pentecost that may be a fair and accurate 
accurate assumption, but it is nevertheless an incomplete assumption. Pentecost is more uh, uh, than just speaking in tongues. The day of Pentecost that we celebrate today and every day, if you please, is the most significant day in the history of the church. Hallelujah. In the birthday, a good day to celebrate. You see, we have this church, this local assembly that was founded in 1914, but that's really not our starting point. Our starting point goes all the way back to the book of Acts that the bishop talked about. Amen. Pentecost is not a religion. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is the birth of the church. Pentecost was the place that the holy fire of God fell upon the hearts of frail, feeble, unlearned, and ignorant people and fill them with the Spirit. And they begin to do things that everybody had to say, Ooh, what's going on here? How are they doing that? What is the difference? They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I said there were three feasts. Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The third feast that every family was to come bearing gifts, bearing a sacrifice. The feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. In Bishop's book on the feast days, he says this, Note Zechariah 14, 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, uh, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And then he comments, here we have the prophetic reference to the time when the feast shall be continued or restored during the time of millennia. It will be a time when all the nations shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. Amen. We may understand from this importance of this feast day is that it is symbolic in the time when Christ shall reign as king of kings and Lord of lords and the devil is bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years and there will be extensive peace throughout the world and peace and rest and those of us that have taken on his name and been baptized in his name will rule and reign with him according to revelation we're going to rule and reign with him what are you saying pastor I'm saying there are three things you need to understand that are important in your life and that is Passover I've got to go by Calvary I've got to go by Calvary and understand Jesus died for my sins Jesus died for my sins I can't do anything good enough I can't be holy enough I can't wear enough stuff right enough I can't uh, uh, stop going to this place and stop doing that and be holy enough to be saved. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ as my Passover lamb that's applied to the doorpost of my heart. And then I go to Pentecost. I've got to go to Passover. Amen. It's a requirement. And then I have to go to Pentecost. And when I get to the feast of Pentecost, that is the feast of harvest. That is the feast of the first fruits. It's the feast of of God filling his people with his spirit. 
so that one of these days, one of these days, somebody, <laughs> hallelujah, I plan on being in the Feast of Tabernacles with him, ruling and reigning with him. If I want endless peace and not chaos in this life, I've got to have all of these operating in me, symbolized in the Old Testament feast, that in the New Testament church, I now can live victorious. I now can live an overcoming life. Why? Because the holy fire of Pentecost has fought. Hold on just one second. Seven years old. Standing at the altar of Revival Temple in San Antonio, Texas. At the age of seven. I clearly remember I fell asleep in the middle of that service. I was awakened by my parents and taken to the altar. Some of y'all get that after you go back and watch this again the third time. They woke me up and took me to the altar because they wanted me to pray with them. And so me and my friend David Freeborn stood together. And we were praying together. And a, a boy of seven years old, I was somewhere. There was several steps that led up to a high platform. And I was kneeling on one of those steps. At first, I had no care in the world. I won't know what I was doing. But all of a sudden, something got inside of me. And I began to be earnest with God. I began to be earnest. I imagined somebody was praying to, uh, to me and for me and, and with me. And all of a sudden, I was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you. You, you can make fun or belittle if you want, but it was real. It was real. I danced for an hour speaking in tongues, glorifying God. Amen. There's been many times, Brother Patrick, I had an exit I could have left, but the power of God's Spirit kept me. There's many times I didn't know how I was going to make it, but the power of God's Spirit had kept me. There were times I was discouraged and said I quit, but the power of God kept me. What is it? It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. We believe it works. It's more than just tongues. It's more than just a hoop and a holler and a shout and a loud preacher. But it is a transformation. God wants to change somebody today. Hallelujah. Come on and give him praise in this house. Come on. Can we worship him today? Can we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Aren't you thankful for the leadership that we have in this church? That we still are underneath the pastoral and bishop ministries of men that are, will not forget the truth. That are still standing by truth. Are we thankful for that? I don't know what kind of sick joke it was making me go last. I don't like it. Could you imagine preaching after them? It's not fun. I'll be honest, it's not going to get much better than that. But I'm glad to know that there is one that is in the room that is greater than me. That there is one that through me can move through in God. That God can move through empty vessels like me, broken vessels like me, so that his glory can still go forward. That his power can still go forward. I was broken, I'm a sinner, but yet God chose to use me. He's choosing to use you today as the church to go forward. That's pretty powerful, I thought. Obviously, we're jumping around in the book of Acts because that book's not finished. We're still living out that book, amen? amen. 
Acts 2 and 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. They were all together. They were close. They had the same mindset. They weren't distracted by things of this world. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. It filled every one of them. Every person was touched by it. Everyone around them was touched by it. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them. No one did not feel the Holy Ghost. Every single one of them felt the power. Every single one of them felt God. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Yeah. As God is preparing us for this season, speaking of MPC and the church, it's time that we realize exactly where we are. We need to get our bearings back. It kind of astonishes me that Bishop can preach about going to a new normal from the Old Testament. That's pretty baller. But we need to realize that we're going into something deeper and new. That we're not going back to what we used to be. We're not going to be doing things like we used to. And I honestly believe that revival is coming to NPC. Do you believe that today? Do you honestly believe that? I'm not just saying that to get a rise out of man. I'm not just saying that to get your hands clapping and you to get excited. I believe that God is destining us for revival in Medora, for revival in Brownstown, for revival in Seymour, in Salem, in Bedford. I believe it. God is positioning us for greater things just like in the early church in Acts 2. But we must be ready. There must be a mindset of readiness about us. So growing up in a pastor's home, it's kind of weird. It's kind of interesting. It's just great, you know. But honestly, I'm glad I had parents like I do. Because when I was growing up and learning how to deal with life, I got a double portion, let me say. It's so wonderful. And I know this is weird, but I believe, trust me, it gets to a point. I remember the time when I was about the age I needed to start shaving. At first, we acknowledged it was time. I got a funny story. At first, we acknowledged the time. It was me and my mother, and we were at the mall, and we had just gotten in the candy store. I loved candy. She got her chocolates. I got my gummies and my sour candies and my rock candy. And mom kind of looks at me, and she goes, David, why do you have chocolate all over your face? Why, why is there chocolate on your top lip? And all of a sudden, I was like, mm. and I was so happy, and I realized that it wasn't chocolate. It was a really defined mustache. <laughs> My preteen life was just, yes, yes. And I was so excited. I said, Dad. I don't have chocolate on my face. I have a mustache. And so we're getting to the time where I needed to shave. And dad said, I got to run some errands. When you get back from school, I'm going to teach you how to shave. Don't do it without me or you'll cut yourself. So, well, I got back from school before he got home from errands. And as the wonderful child, the favorite child, take that, Wendy, I, uh, I did what any good child would do. I started to shave without my father. And I used a razor, not one of those electric razors. I used a real razor. And I didn't think I needed shaving cream. Yeah, ooh, ooh. Uh, and many of you realize where I'm going. So many cuts. So many burns. If only I had listened 
to the Father, to my Father. We're getting around. Even though I didn't listen then, I was glad that there were times that I did listen to my father. Again, while I was growing up, my dad had me read a book that I think every preteen and every coming-of-age young person should read, and that's called Do Hard Things. And that's where we learned about uh, how they trained elephants in the circus, that they would grab them as a baby and they would put a big rope or chain around their neck so that they couldn't break it. So when they would try to get away, that rope or that chain would hold them back. And that... As the elephant got older, it got used to the chain. It got used to the rope. Till when they were a full-grown elephant, they were held by a little bitty rope that they could break, but they had a mindset that they couldn't. While I was growing up, going through that time, my dad would always tell me, you're a giant killer, David. You're a world changer, David. There's going to be things that you're going to come up against, but God has given you power. Things like that. And y'all think that this may have happened once a Sunday. Every day I woke up, my mom and my dad were telling me these things. That's a role model, parents. That's a role model. Because as I was going through these times, I remembered what my father had told me. So when addictions came, I was ready. When fear came, I was ready. When anxiety came, worry, evil thoughts, evil things that Satan threw my way, I was ready because my father had warned me and he told me that they were coming and so I could prepare and he would sow into me and prepared me for the time that I needed to be ready. It was because that I listened to my father, because I had heard from my father before that I was ready. And some of us need to realize who the father is and who we serve, who the father above all. Matthew 6 and 9, after this manner, therefore we pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 1 John 3 and 1, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Romans 8 and 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We need to know that we have importance. We need to know who we are as heirs to the throne, as the children of God. Because this world has told you you're weak, that you don't have purpose, that you're not important. It's like whenever you were a kid, it's like, just wait until you see my daddy. Just wait until my daddy shows up. We're heirs to the throne of heaven. Galatians 4 and 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We're the children of God. If only you know where I've come from. If you've known what I've gone through, if you've known the trials I've faced, if you've known the valleys I've walked through, I've went through Thursday, I've gone through Friday, Saturday was silent, but I thank God that there was a Sunday of resurrection in my life, not just in your life, but in my life, that I've experienced the renewal of Jesus, that through the cross and through crucifixion, I have redemption. 
John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I know who I am because I know who my father is. You see, my dad, my natural dad, always woke up and bestowed purpose in my life. Every day I would wake up, he'd tell me I have a purpose, that there is greatness in me. I'm not just bragging about my dad, I'm bragging about me. But I'm telling you that there is a heavenly father that speaks over you every day. That he speaks life over you. He speaks importance over you. He speaks purpose over you. He speaks Holy Ghost fire over you. This isn't just for our young people. But you you young adults, you elders, that there is a God that's still speaking life over you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't forgot you. He still speaks over your name. He still calls you out he still loves you he still prays for you that's my father so I know we have purpose but what is it Acts 1 and 8 but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth you see that's in Acts 1 he said that before the day of Pentecost, the children have heard from their father. He told them what was going to happen before it ever happened. They didn't know what the Holy Ghost was. They never experienced that before. It was before it happened. It was a father speaking over his children. There's coming a time when I'm going to pour out my spirit and you're going to have power. They didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was. They had never experienced it. They weren't used to it. They didn't have time to rehearse it. They didn't have time to orchestrate it. They didn't have time to get their parts together. They didn't have time to work out all the musical instruments to make it look nice, to make it look pretty. They didn't have time to present it. They didn't go to the temple. I think that's a little more important than we give it. Because let me tell you something. This movement didn't start in a church building. So it shouldn't stay in a church building. Come on, y'all. That was a little more powerful. It didn't start in the building. So why do we think it should stay? We should be going out. We should be preaching the gospel. We should be telling our neighbors, telling those in our community about the gospel of Jesus. It didn't start in a church. It started in an upper room. And it started in a room packed with people. You think we're packed a little bit? It started, and it was packed. It was probably hot. It was probably nasty. There was a lot of people. I doubt they knew how to brush their teeth, so it was probably a little stinky in there. It was cramped. It was uncomfortable. It was hot. There was stuff they could have complained about, but there was something greater on their mind. They were in one accord and in one mindset that, God, I got to get your revival. I got to get the Holy Ghost. I got to know more about you. My family needs to know more about you. Yes, sir. They knew something was on his way, but they didn't know what. Acts 2 and 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Right. Here it is. It's the moment. It's the moment. Y'all that were here for Pastor Yarnacek last year, he talked about the moment. That's the moment. When God came in the room. Man can do all that we want. Sister Carrie can play that piano as beautifully as she can. But if there isn't the anointing of God on her. 
it doesn't matter. I thank God for a worship team that's anointed. I thank God for a leadership that's anointed. I thank God for a church that's anointed. This is the moment. Like I said, you may have thought that people were crazy getting packed in an upper room. Why did they go to the upper room instead of church building? That was the normal. We go to church for church. God only moves in church, in the building. That's what the Pharisees thought. Jesus proved them wrong. Very few instances did Jesus move in a church building. More or less, he moved out there. Out there. Out there. So why did they get together in an upper room? Because the Father told them their purpose. They told them that it was coming. I know revival is coming to us here because the Father has said it. He has told us. He has told pastor. He's told bishop. He's told pastor Timothy, pastor Dylan. He's told your leadership. He's told you, the people of God, that revival is coming. And because our father has said it, we know it is so because our father is the same one that at his word meant the heavens were created at his word. Light was created at his word. So why on earth wouldn't revival happen at his word? But what was the thing that we were commanded to do after the Holy Ghost fell? And ye shall be my witnesses. The Holy Ghost is going to come. You're going to receive power. It wasn't, you could stay in the church building, have church on Sundays and Tuesdays, keep it to yourself, hallelujah, go home and be a sinner on Monday. And do whatever you want, not tell anybody about God. No, he said, if you get the Holy Ghost... I don't care. The second thing you're supposed to do, be my witnesses. Tell people about it. Why would, there is such a gift that the Holy Ghost is. Why wouldn't I share that with everyone possible? Why wouldn't I share the love of Jesus to anyone that could hear me? While I am still alive, there is going to be the gospel going out. If I've still got breath in my body, the love of Jesus is going out. The mercy is going out. Redemption is going out because we are sin as witnesses. It must go out into our cities, into our communities. How dare we keep it in the church? Acts 2 and 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. I love what the, uh, uh, I can't think of what it's called, but there's a commentary out there that I like. And, and it was talking about when Peter was saying how he lifted up his voice. He said he strained because he was yelling so loud. He wanted every single person that could possibly hear his voice to hear it. And he said unto them, Yea, men of Judea, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams 
I believe it's time for the church to step up to its calling, to send revival out instead of keeping it for ourselves. The Father has told us to go and pour out into our communities. So today, on Pentecost Sunday, I want you to mark it down. If you're watching on live stream, mark it down in the comments. If you want to, I'm giving you opportunity right now. You're probably on Facebook already. Get on Facebook, post about it, write it down, write it down and put it at your screensaver. Keep it close to you. Keep it on your mind. And it is this. Go. 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 Somebody say go. Somebody shout go. Like you believe it. Shout go. Shout go. Shout go. Shout go. Young people, go and prophesy to this lost and dying world. Go into this world that is dark and is dying and be the beacons of light that God has given you the purpose to be. Be the spark of revival. You boys, you have the ability to prophesy. But that means that you girls, you have the ability to prophesy. Well, what does that mean? Jesus is coming. There is redemption in Jesus. There is love in Jesus. Anybody can say that. Our young people, our young leaders, our young couples, go. You will begin to see visions. Use those and go. Those visions are what the church is moving forward to. Don't put those in a box. Don't hide those. Don't keep them to yourself. That's selfish because there are people out there that need you. Go, 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 go. Don't st- you elders, don't stop dreaming. Keep dreaming of the goodness of God. Keep dreaming of the greatness that is coming to MPC. Keep dreaming over this church. Keep dreaming over our young people. Keep dreaming. Let your dreams guide us to revival. We must be a church of go. I want you to stand right now, musicians and singers. You can make your way. Go, 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 go. I think we need to give God some time to prepare his people. We can't go empty-handed. We can't go not knowing the truth ourselves. If you want to be a vessel of revival, you need to have revival inside of you. If we want to Acts 2.38 revival... We need an Acts 2 and 17 revelation that our young people, you're going to prophesy. You're going to see visions. Our old people, it's kind of rude to say, but I'm sorry, but that's what's wrote down. You're going to see dreams. Don't hinder them. Go, 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 go. There's a lost and dying world out there that is crying out for the love of Jesus. They go to drugs. They go to pornography. They go to this and they go to that, but they need the love of Jesus. They need the redemption of Jesus that you and I have the ability to have. So right now, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to lift your voices and I want you to pray, God, make me an ability to have revival in me. Pastor said, draw a circle around you. God, fill the circle up with revival, with your spirit, God. Fill me, fill me, fill me so that I can be your witness and go. Right now, I wonder if we could just give one minute and say, God, let me be your witness. Let me be a vessel of go. Let me be a child of God that says go. I've got the glory. I've got the power inside of me. 
it's time I show others the goodness of God. Right now, lift your voices right now. Lift it up. Worship the God of the co. Worship the God that saved you, that saved me. He deserves it all. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, shout it out. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Oh